welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're listening to Miller Thomas, the always wonderful, and might I add, handsome host of this podcast, multimedia journalist and graphic designer. Go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we got former sports agent Barry Axelrod on the pod. He even used to be the assistant GM to Dave Stewart and Kevin Towers, two former GMs of the D-backs. And now he's his own podcast host on the Blev Podcast Network. He has a show called Major League Beginnings, hosted with Mike Pomerantz and Mark Sweeney. So go give that a listen. But first, if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks to listen to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, I'll raise to the most reasonable around. Email me at lockedondimebacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now, here's that conversation between Barry and I. Now, you got hired right around the same time as another sports agent, but Bob Myers, he decided to become a GM. So have you ever decided, you know, what was there ever in the back of your mind that you want to maybe become a GM of a baseball team? Um, probably until I saw what it was like up close and personal, I would have thought about it. Uh, but I, I think the job, even Kevin, uh, after the Diamondbacks was thinking before he made uh, became ill, uh, was thinking that really the, the greatest job would be as a special advisor, maybe special assistant to the president who, you know, someone with, you know, as each of us had almost 40 years of experience in the game in one way or the other to, um, be a lazy a liaison between, uh, upper management and general managers and the baseball operations in terms of budget, in terms of big decisions. I, I thought that might be a perfect job. I, I saw that work for Kevin in San Diego with a gentleman named Larry Lucchino, who was the, the president of the club under the owner. And he, he made Kevin accountable for the decisions he made as the Padre general manager. And it, it really worked well. It was a good relationship. And, I, and later on, I thought maybe I could do something like that. But I think the game has has passed old school people by or is passing them by. There's, uh, you know, a new wave of younger, very talented, nothing against them, talented, um, differently oriented general managers. And uh, uh, scouting has seemed to be uh, devalued a little bit in, in uh, exchange for more analytics and looking at the game in an analytical way. So, um, I'm not sure I could add as much value as I might have at one time. Hey, I'm a guy who's, you know, 22 years old, but I am not behind this, you know, hardcore analytics movement. I think you do need to balance with analytics and other things in baseball, but I feel like now too much, we just look too much into the advanced analytics. It's too much about the wards, too much about expected batting average and what his expected stats could be. Sometimes I just want to know what the player actually did instead of what he could have done or what he should have done. So I feel like, you know, analytics have are moving too far. I feel like we're some, somehow moving too much into the analytics side. And I'm hopefully 
uh, it will come back and bounce out a little bit because I feel like right now just too much talk about the stats and it's not enough about you know the actual narrative and legacy sometimes about the sports because sometimes I think in baseball specifically we look at winning like it, it doesn't matter sometimes I have arguments with my friends about Mike Trout because yeah I think he's a great player but I would like to see him add a little bit to his playoff resume I don't think that's asking a lot I know it's a little bit tougher for him because he's in a situation he can only do so much but I think analytics have skewed our viewpoint too much to the point where sometimes we're not even really watching the games. We just care about what the stats say. Um, you know, I agree with you. I, I, I agree that there's a room for both in baseball. Um, <clears throat> I, I saw the value of scouting again, referencing Kevin towers. He came up as a scout and he loved scouts and scouting and he involved scouts. The meetings we would have, there would be 15 people in the room. There, there would be his, his three or four major league scouts, some other senior advisors, like at the time, Bob Gemhart and Roland Heeman, you know, longtime baseball guys who could watch a game and see it in a certain way. Uh, you don't, and, and another big part of scouting, honestly, is all those guys sit together behind the plate and they all know each other and they glean information off each other all the time about a guy's makeup or, or his family life, or has he been in trouble, things like that. And uh, I, I think analytics tends to gloss over uh, those things, the character issues, if you will, uh, unless they're glaring. But uh, just an example, I, I, went, I went out scouting with Kevin on more than one occasion. And we wouldn't just go watch a game and see if a guy went two for four or not. We would go at three o'clock and watch how he prepared and watch how he interacted with his teammates and find out if he was working hard, you know, doing his, doing his uh, running and doing his uh, side sessions as a pitcher. And, and that's, those things were very important in determining what kind of a player he was, uh, which you can't see in analytics. You just can't. Yeah, those are the those intangibles that you're talking about because those are the things that can't be measured, but they're crucial to – scouting and picking what kind of player in those drafts because a lot of times you might go with a guy with more talent but sometimes talent always you know sometimes talent only takes you so far and you need that guy who's gonna you know work twice as hard as the guy with the talent eventually you know that that hard work you're putting in can make you outpace the guy with the talent just because you're putting in the work so I totally agree with you on the intangibles aspect but let me bring it to this. I know you recently brought Mark Grace, you know, onto your podcast, Major League Beginnings. I want to ask you, did you guys, I didn't get a chance to listen to the pod, but did you guys talk about that 2001 World Series? Because I know it must have been weird, you know, being the D-backs team going against the New York Yankees after 9-11 in New York. Did you guys get a chance to talk about that World Series a little bit? Oh, absolutely. That was, uh, that was an essential part of it. Um, we, uh, we sort of took him through game by game almost, you know, winning the first two in Arizona and being up to nothing and uh, going back to, uh, to New York, thinking they were in the driver's seat and, and having uh, the reliever, uh, Kim, uh, the poor young kid, you know, give it up two games in a row and came back with her tail between their legs down three to two. And, and then to, to, just crush him in game six with Randy Johnson on the mound. And then the game seven was just, I was there. It's the most exciting sporting event I've ever been to. And to see 
what was going on that Randy Johnson came out of the bullpen after pitching six innings the day before and Mariano Rivera comes out to get a two inning save and and then for them to put together that little rally in the ninth and it was yes we we took him all the way through it and his emotions at various steps and including hitting the home run in the upper deck at Yankee Stadium when uh, in game four and it's it's one of the great things about you know listening to the guys on our podcast tell their stories as I'm sure you've had guys on telling stories is each of them is a if you break it down if you if you get them to the right place they're such fans and Mark talked about he had never been to Yankee Stadium before never as a as a fan as a kid had never been there before and now you walk in and you're playing in game three of the World Series in Yankee Stadium and uh you know his feelings and how he just laid back while he was stretching and looked around at where he was and you know the wave of emotions that come over you it's uh it's that kind of stuff we like to get into on our podcast with people about you know what what they were thinking and and seeing those other players on the other side seeing Derek Jeter and seeing Mariano Rivera and you know the, the excitement of all that Barry and I will continue that conversation shortly, but first, with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain store front. Wind or often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the cowman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box, so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, all right, all right. We are back and continuing that conversation with Barry Axelrod of the Major League Beginnings podcast. Yeah, I can only imagine for you being in the stadium. Can you tell me what the atmosphere was like, especially after getting that that hit off Mariano Rivera? What were the Yankees fans feeling like? What were they sounding like? What were they looking like in the stadium after that moment? I wasn't much paying attention to the Yankee fans. It was... uh... Uh, I was actually at all four games, so uh, they won two and then came back for six. I didn't think I was I thought one two was going to be it because they, you know, I thought there was going to be a sweep. And all of a sudden, I say to my wife, "We need to go back. We got to go see game six and seven. And actually, the beginning of game six was a little, as I recall it, a little, a little tense because now they're down three two, but they came out and I, I forget whether it was thirteen runs or whatever they scored. And I mean, they just. He just blew the Yankees away. And obviously, as that was going on, here came the energy again. 
so the energy was back and going into seven uh, it was it was i can just remember having breakfast and then wanting to be at the game and it wasn't going to start until five o'clock and you know it was just you were on a high all day just waiting for it to, to happen and and then as as things developed the way i mentioned before with randy johnson coming out of the bullpen that the way the crowd reacted to that and and then going oh no here comes the sandman you know to close it out uh it was awesome it was just unbelievable yeah i can only imagine <laughs> i wish i was there honestly and just looking back at it seeing randy johnson win three of the four games and being co-mvps of kurt stilling that was really a team that was like it felt like a basketball team they really had a big three of randy johnson kurt schilling and luis gonzalez gonzo right. but uh I actually a big year. you should have won the mvp that year but... yeah i mean but then, yeah. but then a bunch of guys as mark described it i think uh, guys that had never been in a World Series, I think Craig Council had, but but sort of a bunch of guys that were maybe late in their careers, like Mark, like Matt Williams, like Council, like Tony Womack, uh, you know, that, that um, Schilling, Johnson, you know, that kind of banded together and, and they were a little bit older than most teams and a little more veteran and uh, you know, I'm not going to say it was a band of misfits because that's a bunch of great players I just mentioned. But they all, they kind of, the amazing guy in that series that played such a big role was Tony Womack. And people mm -hmm. don't even think about him or mention him anymore. He had a, a big home run. He had the big hit in that ninth inning. He had the double to set, up, set it up for Gonzo's hit. So, you know, Tony Womack was a key factor in that World Series. Just an yeah. exciting group of players. Jay Bell. Uh, it was a, a great role, you know. He he had he was toward the end of his career, and he had a he did the job he was supposed to do. So good, good bunch of guys. Yeah, what people really forget is that the D-backs were a pretty new franchise. The baseball It's only their fourth season in major leagues. They're actually the quickest team ever to win a World Series. Yeah. So that's probably one of the reasons why they, they didn't seem like they had as much top end talent as some other teams in major leagues at the time. Right, They're pretty pretty. Uh, Pretty amazing story when you look at it in retrospect. Now, let me bring it to the sport of baseball today, Barry. And I just want to know what trends or storylines have you been keeping up with baseball? Because one of the things I find pretty interesting, it seems like pitchers have been pretty fluky this season. A lot of them have been getting injured, it seems like. And it seems like the ones that have been healthy haven't been that super dominant. It seems like teams are really managing their pitchers this season. A lot of them seem to... Don't be going super deep into ball games as we usually see. A lot of them seem to be going only five or six innings. So, what are some trends or storylines that you've been keeping up with this season? Well, I think that's a that's an interesting one. Um, I don't think it was unpredictable. It wasn't unpredictable because I talked to people about it uh, as plans were developing for you know the re the, the the restart or the start actually getting back into training camp and. Uh, Look, pitchers had been, no matter, you, you can go home and throw. Some guys were able to throw off mounds to their high school catchers or, uh, you know, whatever, but they, they weren't having those intense workouts. So I, I think as much as players were saying that they were ready to come back, I, I don't know that they were as ready as they purported to be. And I don't think two and a half or three weeks was enough time, especially for pitchers to get ready. And you're seeing it. I mean, the number of injuries to, to, to frontline guys, either, 
either significant injuries or just, hey, I need some rest, you know, Kershaw needing some time off or uh, Verlander being out and all these other guys having difficulties. I don't think it was unpredictable. And uh, I don't think baseball uh, failed to predict it because of the way they expanded the rosters and have these quote-unquote taxi squads available to move pitchers up and down. Uh, so I think that's been a big story, the pitching and uh, seeing that uh, I, I think the average start this year throughout baseball is less than five innings. You know, I, I believe that's correct. I'm not sure, but uh, guys aren't guys aren't getting five, six, seven innings for the most part, unless you're Lucas Giolito. But you know, yeah. that's few and far between. So I think that is a big storyline. Um, I also think it's fascinating. As much as I'm old school and think, you know, this season's meaningless because it's not going to be 162 games. Um, I think it's fascinating to watch the standings every day. I actually do a little thing with Sweeney and Pomerantz and some other friends where I update the I update the playoff situation every almost every day, every couple of days, and it switches around. And all of a sudden, the Giants are in, and then the Giants are out, and you know. St. Louis is in, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's crazy, but it's fun to watch in a different way. All right, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Be on the lookout for another episode between Barry and I in the near future. Hope everyone is staying safe and staying healthy out there. Peace!